0: Well, let me, let me tell you a little joke, if I can remember it. The pastor was walking down the street one day and he passed this house and there was a little boy really struggling to reach the doorbell and he was trying to reach it, he couldn't and the pastor just, he said, oh, he's walked up to the, to the front step with the boy and he, he reached over him and he pressed the doorbell. And he looked at him and said, well, young man, now what? He said, now we run. (laughs) Hallelujah. Father, thank you for this awesome day that you've given us. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy. Thank you that you are fun and that you are awesome, powerful, and that you are close to us and you love us so much. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for having your way in this service. If any time you want to interrupt, Lord, or... Lead me in any other way, just take control. This is your church, Lord, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Ma- Jeremiah 33 25. The Lord said, I have appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth. There are spiritual laws in place that govern the heavens and the earth, and therefore, our benefit. But just like natural laws, like electricity and gravity, if we don't learn to cooperate with them, they can harm us. We can be working against them without even knowing it. Huh? I love reading. Uh, yesterday I was reading cha- uh, the, the book of Job again. And uh, in chapter 38, I'm not going to go there because I'll spend a lot of time. But he, the the Lord, after listening to Job and his... His knucklehead friends for a while ramble on. He said, "Now I'm going to talk." And uh, in chapter 38, the first 33 verses, you read it, and uh, and God just sort of lays out how He put all these things in order. He told He told the sun and the stars when to shine and the waves where they, how far they could come. He, you know and He started saying all these things, and uh, it's just amazing. And you realize, hey, He's God, and I'm not, and He's awesome. But one of the laws we've been talking about, the law of perseverance or the law of active pursuit, basically, which says that your life's going to follow the way of your focus. The predominant way of your thinking is going to determine your direction. Amen. Amen. There are promises attached to this law, and we've been going over some of those We started out in Matthew 6, 33, which says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So there's a blessing attached to the pursuit of seeking God and putting him first and obtaining this righteousness that's by faith and not by works. Amen. Matthew 7, 7 and 8, Jesus even said, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be open. So those are wonderful promises that we can count on with God. Amen. 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 Ephesians 3.20, and I want to show you, I want to balance this out and show you that we have a part to play. It's always about a relationship. That's why it's wonderful that God begins to draw people in. In these last days, he's doing a shaking of everything that is not of him, and and he's bringing his church together. It's all going to be a one beautiful bride and not a harem that he comes after. Amen? Doesn't mean there aren't different parts of the body, and we love all of the body of Christ. We want to discern the entire body of Christ and love them all. Otherwise, it's going to hinder us from flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. That's not today's message, so better stop right there about that. But. This, is, <laughs> this in Ephesians 3.20, it says, Now nah to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. I can think some pretty good things, can't you? He said he can do abundantly more than you can even ask or think. According to the power that is at work in heaven. Is that what it says? It says according to the power at work within us. And so we're learning about our true identity in Christ. That was the big thing last week, because what it is, we don't have a provision problem in the church, the body of Christ. We have an identity crisis, huh? because your true self, your born again self is just like Christ and you're born again spirit. You have all the wisdom and knowledge of God. You have the very mind of Christ says in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.16, doesn't it? But you can't discern what's in your spirit with your natural senses. You have to go to the word of God, which is alive and active, with the help of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete that has been sent to come alongside you and take a hold together with you of all the obstacles and situation and struggles of this life. Hallelujah. Colossians 2.3 says, In your spirit, our treasures and of wisdom and knowledge. So that's a beautiful understanding. If you if you grab a hold of that, that it's that it's a, an amazing and powerful God. He's not lacking anything, and he's he's willing. He says, "My will that you be in good health and prosper, even as your soul prospers." It's that soulish realm, our mind, will, and emotions, our personality, that we need to get into agreement with this word and stop being in agreement with what's been influencing us all of our lives which is the world which is fallen and in the control of an enemy a defeated one but that deceiver huh Romans 8:11 says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you in your spirit so if you really believe that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. If you believe that you're going to see the sick recover. Yes. If we believe that we will see blind eyes open. We will see the dead raised. You see you can't it's too late for you to try to unscramble these eggs. I've been seeing it now for too long. One of my good friends, his son was dead for five hours in the morgue with a toe tag, turned black and blue. Or just black, I guess. He's alive today and healthy and has has given him grandchildren now, helping in the ministry. He says he doesn't have any more brain issues than he did when he when it happened. <laughs> and we see this all the time. So it's true. It's real, and we just need to believe it. If we believe it, we'll see all these wonderful things. Our faith will rise up. What do we say? Rise up, stand, walk, and run. Rise up, stand, walk, and run. Because you'll have confidence in, in a wonderful Father and a loving God that we serve, and you'll have confidence in the love that he has for you, and you'll have confidence, therefore, in your Representation and ambassadorship on his behalf. Which is what he really wants. That's why he left you behind. Amen. When he saved you. To go out and create with the seed inside of you now. More baby Christians. Hmm. Just like that apple tree produces more baby apple trees. (laughs) Okay. So our problem... Folks are knowledge problems. That's what I'm trying to tell you. And if you'll humble yourself and receive this as a blessing, as a something to help you and not to harm you and not to be critical or to be condemning of you, because God's love for you doesn't change. It doesn't matter. If you if you want to go to every doctor in town and Smoke, cigarettes, and people say, Is that going to keep me out of heaven? I say, No, it just gets you there, sinner. But there's power and victory and authority and abundant life that Jesus died to provide us with now, in the sweet now and now. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven. He says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. You'll go boldly to him when you get a revelation of his love for you. You'll approach God in respect and, and honor, of course, but boldly, also with, with confidence and empowerment, like a like a healthy marriage, I was saying last week, right? Huh? People need to know what that looks like. And you'll be to be close with him and, and vulnerable with him. So that you can talk honestly and openly with him and be close and and prosper in an atmosphere of love and trust. Doesn't that sound great? And you'll be able to hear him clearly. Our problems are knowledge problems. So so we continue to press in and, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that we can have an intimate relationship and knowledge of him. He says, my people are perishing for a lack of knowledge. A lack of knowing me is what he's saying. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. These are some hard words, folks. But the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity or lawlessness. We are, and listen, he's not talking about... I. You didn't earn a relationship with me by your good works. He's saying you didn't, you never entered into a personal relationship with me. You were religious, but you forgot about me. (laughs) Okay. The Word of God is important. We have to have the Word of God, and we also need the Spirit of God. Say, I'm a Word person. And I'm a spirit person. So we're not going to choose one over the other. We're going to let both have their way in our lives and in the church. Amen. Sometimes I can preach the greatest message that has ever been preached. If the Lord gives it to me. And I may not know. I may look at someone and I may see a problem there. I may see a need. I may see a hurting and a hunger and a desire. And I may not know what to say. And my message may not help them. It will The word will bring you and deliver you. But I just need the help of the Holy Spirit sometimes. Lord, help me, Holy Spirit. Show me what they need. Show me if you have something for them. You see, so we need the word and the spirit working together. And Jesus said, my words are spirit in their lives." Amen. I'm talking about the the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the spirit. James 2.19, and I'm going to get off of this in a second. Somebody turn that down just a little bit. James 2.19 says, "You, you believe that God is one, good for you one of the most sarcastic scriptures in the Bible. He said, even the demons believe that and they tremble, they shudder. And you know, that's true. I I saw yesterday just in the books of uh, the gospels of Mark and Matthew. I saw at least four times where demons were terrified of Jesus and they didn't want him torturing them. And they, pleaded with Him as the Son of God. They knew who He was, and they were terrified. James is saying there has to be some fruit of faith in improving a relationship with Him. Amen, me. We've, we've, we've talked about that, how, how God expects fruit from his, from his children, from His disciples in two forms, fruit of our character and fruit in reproducing other Christians. So we want to know him. We pursue him. He says in, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, and, and through, through 14, we, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. But then he goes on to say, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. So we pursue God. We keep our focus on the Lord. And then... He says that it's important that we come to know who we are and to know him. And John 17.3, matter of fact, he's praying on that fateful night. And one of the oddest scriptures I thought, I used to think, and he straightened me out on that. John 17.3, he's praying, and right in the middle of this prayer, he, he, he says, John 17, 3, it acts like, he acts like he's explaining something to the Father. <laughs> he says, and this is eternal life. <laughs> it's a prayer. He's praying. He says, that they know you, the one true God, and your son, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. He said, no, I wasn't explaining it to Dad. I was, I was doing that for your benefit. So there's the definition of eternal life. Knowing God the Father and knowing Jesus, His Son. That same word know is the, is the word they used in the original Genesis when it said Adam knew Eve and they conceived and had a child. It's, a, it's an intimate relationship with the Lord. No one can have it for you. You can't knock in the box and talk to another sinner to have a relationship with you. And I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just asking you to think about that. Amen or oh me. <clears throat> so Christ in you, yes, is the hope of glory, right? But if you don't know what that means or what that is on a personal level, then it will frustrate The grace of God. It will leave the grace of God unused. It will leave it in that wagon train on the other side of the hill, untouched and unused. (laughs) Only if you read my book do you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So we want to know him. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, didn't he? He didn't say you might. He said, my sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. I was seeking the Lord yesterday. I was, you know, because I, I I seek him all week. You know, I leave here today in the parking lot. What do we have for next week, Lord? And we'll celebrate today, and we'll talk about things. And and he'll start telling me, and I'll, I'll write down words as I hear them throughout the week. I carry a clipboard, and it'll be all marked up, and, and then I'll... Toward the end of the week, I'll start circling a word here and there, you see, as it is ignited, quickened in my spirit, you see. But anyway, on Saturdays, I usually set myself apart. The only time I really don't is if I just have to do some work or if I, you know, and then every couple of hours I'll go outside and play fetch with my dog or water something just to get out of of the house. But, you know, I start off with just a conversation. Lord, what do you want to talk about? What, let me, what can we talk about? Can you tell me about this? Can you tell me about that? So yesterday I was seeking him. I was letting him know how much I crave and cherish that, that close, intimate, personal relationship with him. I was asking him about things that are of a personal nature, um, about my health and uh, my marriage and, you know, and then about the church and, uh, and just Just talking. Asking, seeking, and I heard his voice, and not not audibly this time, um, but but that that inner voice of my shepherd, my my friend, my brother, my kinsman, redeemer, my healer, my savior, my God, in whom I trust. Amen. And he said all these things I'd asked him about because why because they were worrying me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, when I catch that, I, go, I run straight to the throne with that, you see? And you know what his answer was? My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. And I mean, I've preached that scripture, and I've, I've read it thousands of times. Yesterday, it was quickened once again in me, and he just said, my grace is sufficient for you. I began to realize that I had been magnifying the wrong things. Again, <laughs> you ever done that? Huh? My focus was off of him and on my circumstances. I had, uh, and right about right about this time, and I just can tell you, the Lord has a lot of fun with me, and he has has ways. And You all know how I am about the number five, which is the number for greats, huh? And so he told me that, and it was just overwhelming to me, and I was just sitting there with him and just enjoying that peace because I was like, yeah, it is. His grace is more than enough for everything that I need and it will come against me. I picked up my phone, and I checked my emails real quick, and I, I get an email from the, the business center of the church, from the website, and from the giving and all that every time Someone makes an offering. It comes through on the phone. Not about that. I get a lot of those. Thank God. It's a very giving church. And I'm, my wife and I, we, we try to out-give all of you. So it's a good thing. But I looked, and around 5 a.m., uh, an email had come in. And there, someone had paid their tithe, given their tithe, and it was 555 dollars from a beautiful person in this church. And I, it, it had nothing to do. I began to weep, you know, it had nothing to do with the amount. I was very happy for that person because I know what that means. That seed that God just wants so he can bless and multiply it back to them and bless it into the kingdom. And that was my prayer. I always pray both ways, bless this into the kingdom for your work and multiply it for the salvation of souls. And, bless a hundredfold return to the sower Lord and bless them in every way. And so I did that over all of the other emails I got that said the same thing about all of you. Okay. It was just the number that was so important at this particular time because it was God was not only five, but three fives is divine grace. That's the whole Trinity getting involved. You see? And I just began to weep and praise God. And I, I prayed that blessing over the giver and the and the offering as I always do, and and uh, it was just like he, it was when he first started showing me about his grace so many years ago. Go wheel number five and stepping on the five dollar bills and all the all the things with the fives that we had so much fun with, and we were just he was just having fun with me. You all enjoying this? I'm just telling you. I, I just wanted, I wanted you to see how how this relationship. How it's supposed to be. And yours isn't like mine. He doesn't want it to be. Huh? I'm a very boring person. You're very... You're, you might have a lot more... Uh, he might enjoy your company a lot more. Not really. He loves me the most, but... That's what you need to be saying too. Amen. It needs to be very personal. I once saw him in an open vision... I said, sometimes you can see more clearly with your eyes closed. Amen. Amen. But I had an open vision one time years ago. He was he was just he was playing with me. He was playing ball with me. He had a ball, and he was he was playing ball with me. And it was like someone bouncing a basketball, and and uh, they're they're bouncing it around you, trying to get you into a game. You know, just having fun with you. Like you know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that? Like kids do it. Come on, come on, and. And so he was doing that, and he, was, he had a grin on his face. And then he took the ball, and he spun it on his finger like this. And I looked, and it was the globe of the world. It was the earth. And he just smiled at me, so big. But we were just having fun. He was restoring my soul. Amen? Mm-hmm. Then I opened my Bible. I was still sitting there. I open my Bible here and where I have this bookmark. My my daughter, Samantha, she gave me this beautiful leather bookmark a while back. And it says, the Lord is my strength and defense. He's become my salvation, quoting Exodus 15 2. the Lord is my strength and defense. He has become my salvation It has a lion on it. The real lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, not the one that tries to sound like a lion, not that mouse with a megaphone, a deceiver. huh? And he has become my salvation. Not just the theological uh, definition that the world has assigned to salvation, which is just what Christians believe to be the deliverance from sin and its consequences. Yes, that too. But but their other definition is what he is to me as well, which says the deliverance from harm, ruin, and loss. He is that. He's my deliverer from harm and ruin and loss. And all the wonderful eternal stuff too. Amen. But here at the top of the page... In verse 36, I opened it because I told you also I was talking to him about, about health issues, concerns. And right there, I just opened it and there I had circled the word healed right there. I don't remember when I did that. But to yesterday, it was the Lord talking to me. You see what I'm saying? And then up here, it says sozo, because that's what that word in the Greek is, which means healed not only not only saved but healed and delivered that's part of your salvation amen <laughs> and right there in Luke chapter 8 where that is it's where he's talking about the demoniac that Jesus had healed I'm going to actually just read that today let's go back to Luke chapter 8 and the 26th verse. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, or the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. When Jesus had stepped out on land, so he came across across this body of water. And when Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. I'll tell you, that's what he was there for. For a long time, this man had worn no clothes, and he had not lived in a house, but among the tombs. When when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and said with a loud voice, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. How many of you know that was not that man speaking, that was the demons inside of him? For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many a time it had seized him. He, He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the desert. Jesus asked him, "What's your name?" And he said, "Legion." Again, it's the demon speaking. For many demons had entered him, and they begged him not to command them to depart from the into the abyss. Now, a large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him to let them enter there. So he gave them permission. You say, "Oh, that's so mean." He just, he just, uh, or oh, he had. He had compassion on these demons. Wrong? Oh, that's so mean to that pig farmer. I don't know. I don't think so. Jesus is love, and I think they were probably sacrificing those pigs to uh, to uh, gods that weren't gods at all. Amen. False gods. If because uh, I, I know a little bit about the area that he was in. Anyway. That's not what it's about, folks. He sent them into the pigs, and the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the land and and, and lake and drowned. So they they died, and then the demons came out, and then, of course, they go off into arid places, etc., etc. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. Then people went out to see what had happened. And they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. (laughs) And those who had seen it told them how the demon-possessed man had been healed. Then all the people of the surrounding country of the Gerasenes asked him to depart from there. For they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man from whom the demons had gone begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him on his way saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming through the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. So he he, uh, he ordained this evangelist and sent him on his way. Huh? Hallelujah. So... I want to tell you that there's, there's a few things that I want to take from that, and then I'll move on quickly. But I want to ask you a question. Why, why, do those, those who, who do <laughs> why do people fear those who do good? Why do people fear those who do good? Because isn't that what happened? because their own deeds are evil and their hearts condemn them, is what John three nineteen and 20 says. We embrace what we get used to and what we tolerate, folks, whether it's good or bad. If you don't know that, you need to think about it. But we put up with a lot of things just because they're normal to us. We're used to it. Jesus was displaying power that had never been seen to them before, and it was good, but it was unfamiliar. It was different, so they wanted him to leave. They were afraid of the unknown. But when Jesus came back to that area, I want to tell you there are a couple places in Scripture I can't I can't go there. Matthew fourteen. And Mark chapter 6. But lots of people did come out to see him when he went back to that region. And they brought sick people for him to to heal. And then they what? Heard the word of God, of course. Why do you think that is? Well, I think it had a lot to do with the man that Jesus had delivered. He commissioned him as an evangelist. And he went and told everybody the story of the testimony of what Jesus had done for him. And so now they... They were interested. And that's what all the gifts of the Spirit are for. It's a dinner bell for the Word of God. Amen. (laughs) Jesus wasn't there for those demons. He was after that soul. He was after that precious man that he had created to be free. And to make him free. And then to use him to tell others. And folks, healing is as part of our salvation and deliverance is as much a part of our salvation as the forgiveness of our sins. It's just true. And if just because it's not what we're used to or accustomed to, don't reject it. Don't reject it. I'm going to go on in this same chapter since we're here. You go down and... And uh, looking in the fortieth verse, it says, "Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter about twelve years of age, and she was dying. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna push down a little bit because this is where." He's, he says he'll go with him, and on the way, and there's crowds of people around. This is where he, the, the woman with the issue of blood touches him and is healed. He didn't know. He didn't say a prayer over her. He didn't lay hands on her. She received it from him. This is the law of faith at work, folks. That's why I can't read it, because I'm going to... So, but in the midst of all that, he had to stop and talk to her, and the crowd... And then they came and they told this man, they told this man while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house, from Jairus' house, they came and they said, your your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. It's too late. Never mind. She's, She's gone. And look what Jesus said. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him and he told Jairus something. He said, don't be, do not fear. Do not fear, only believe. Can we have faith and fear and faith and unbelief at the same time? Yes. And they're opposing forces. And it's like a spiritual tug of war. He says, do not fear, only believe and she will be well. Amen. And when they came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James in that order Peter stands for stone, which like the Ten Commandments were written on. huh? Peter and then John, the supplanter, has been replaced. The law has been replaced. James, grace. The law has been replaced by grace. Follow me. Ah, and the father and mother of the child. So he let those five come in with him. And all there were all the people there were weeping and mourning for the little girl. But he, but Jesus said, do not weep for she's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Knowing they knew she was dead. Huh? So they laughed at Jesus, but taking her by the hand, he called saying child arise and her spirit returned and she got up at once This, this, this is a powerful statement. Verse 50 is the one that I want you to remember if you don't remember anything else today. Do not fear, only believe. Fear is your enemy, folks. Fear is your enemy. The law of faith that healed the woman with the issue of blood. We didn't read about it. But then he addresses the, the, the enemy to Jairus because he needs this law of faith working. He needs some people to believe. That's why he didn't let any of those others, mourners and criers and scoffers and laughers, go in with him. Only those who would believe. And he knew that the desire, in the hearts of that mama and papa were were good. They were hopeful. And he had told him just enough. Don't 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 listen to them. Don't get scared. Just believe she will go. She's gonna live. And if, you, if I'm a dad of a 12 year old girl who's laying there dead, I'm going to say, okay, <laughs> yes. Luke 10:19, and Jesus said, "Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions." And he's not talking about bugs; he's talking about demons. And over all the power, all the works of the enemy, huh? And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Listen, folks. Fear is like a a sneaky snake. (laughs) I got some friends and they send me this silly video of this knucklehead saying he's a sneaky little snake. So creepy. I turned it off right away, but I haven't forgotten that because fear is like that sneaky snake. You know, I guess I was thinking of an example. Barbara and Joey, they went on a, a camping trip. They love, where's that place you go? Big Ben. And they stay in these, these awesome cool trailers and, and cabins that they created out there out of different things. And they really love it out there. They, they get so excited and they spend a great time out there. But one time, I think the last time they went out there, they opened the drawer and there's a big old snake curled up in there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that, that snake kind of upset everything, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the, the lady that runs the place, she came out there and she was going to get that snake but it had already taken off, you know. It was found out and so it's a sneaky snake. And so it wanted to leave now that it had been found, I guess. But had it not been rid of, don't you know that that, that darn snake, it could have enjoyed all that Joey and Barbara were paying for all by himself. <laughs> and deprived them. They had been sleeping on the roof of that thing or in their, their truck, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, the devil's the same way, folks. Yeah, he'll take, he'll take whatever you will allow him to have. He has no authority. He is a defeated foe. You're the one with the power and authority. And he's a deceiver. If he can deceive you, trick you into giving him some of your authority, he'll take it. And it'll exclude you from all that Jesus has died to provide you with. The abundant life that Jesus wants you to have, to live, and to just to be at peace and joy and love and prosper in every way. Spirit, soul, and body. James 4, verses 6 through 8 says, But He gives us more grace. Thank you, Lord. This is why it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'll move on whenever you let me, Lord. That one's sinking in, huh? God opposes the proud. I don't want God to oppose me, folks. Humility is a choice. The Bible, you know, I've seen people pray, Lord, make me humble. That's not a scriptural prayer. Because He says humble yourself in the Bible. It's a choice. It's a decision. It's a matter of our free will. It takes place in our soulish realm. It's a choice. Just humble yourself. (laughs) God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now listen to this. Submit yourselves to God resist the devil and he will flee from you it's a promise it's a promise draw near to God and he will draw near to you there's another promise about that relational part of it you see but this resisting the devil which means actively fight against but there's too much too much warfare in the body of Christ, which is wrong-minded. The war is won. He's a defeated foe. Jesus had a triumphal procession. The Bible talks all about it. A lot of the problem is that a lot of Christians miss the parade. But he's a defeated foe. So what does it mean actively fight against or resist the devil? You have to resist his lies. You have to resist his schemes. He's a deceiver. He's a liar and the author, the father of lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. First thing he caused to happen. Adam became aware of his sin. He hid from God. Covered himself. And started blame shifting. This woman you gave me. The accuser of the brethren. The devil did all that, you see. We have to resist these lies. We have to resist the fear that he wants to instill in us. And believe what the Lord says. And what the Lord has provided for us. We need to feed our faith and starve our fears. Fear is your enemy and you need to see fear as as an enemy. And not one that you need to be afraid of. (laughs) One that you can walk. One that you have only to speak to. And he will flee. you got to get it past here. I, I know you believe me. Because God is speaking to you. And this word is anointed. It's alive and active. And so you hear. But it needs to get down into your heart. The garden of your heart. And take root and bear fruit. Until you stand up. Rise up. Stand. Walk. And run. And you're as strong as horseradish. Run into the storm. Run to the roar. Of that mouse with the megaphone. There's no armor for your back. Sickness. Poverty. Addiction. All of the devil. And he doesn't just want you. Think of all those things. Sickness. Terrible illness. Poverty. What else did I say? Addiction. Addiction. When somebody is is hindered by one of those things, does it just affect them? Yeah. Nah. The devil's not satisfied with that. He wants the whole family. Mm-hmm. He wants all their friends. He wants everyone that cares about them. Huh? Yeah. And one thing will affect all the others. Mm-hmm. The sickness is going to take the finances. Is going to take the peace and cause strife and, and turmoil. You see, it's just as hard on the caretaker as it on the, the one that's is suffering. You see what I'm saying? And it's all of the devil. Don't feel condemned, folks. Listen, this is not a condemning. I pray my prayer, half an hour of my prayer yesterday was: Lord, just help, help me. Help me, help them to hear you. And, and not feel condemned. Let it be life-giving freedom. Let it bring freedom and joy and peace and empowerment to the hearers, Lord. Amen. Let them know that your love for them doesn't change one bit no matter what. Amen. Listen, they cut me from here to here, took my heart out for six or eight hours and worked on it and put it back in. That wasn't God's best. But I'm sure thankful he provided those amazing doctors down at Methodist, huh? His best would have been for me to receive it by faith. I know that. And he doesn't love me any less. He still found a way to get it to me. There's no bad way to get healed, folks. Don't go throw away your medicine or your insulin. If it comes time for that, you'll know. You'll know, you'll know, you'll know. He told you and you'll know, you'll have a knowing. I do not need that. That's when you do it. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. We have to take control of our lives by surrendering it to him, of course. Humbling ourselves and then getting close to Jesus through time spent with him in the word, praying in the spirit, Matthew 5:33 Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his you got to spend your first give the first fruits of your life. It's not going to make sense to the rest of the world. There but there's no middle ground, folks. You either for him or you're against him. And when you choose him and all of his truth, you got to eat the whole scroll, folks. And all of his truth, it it will bring division. Now, I'm not prophesying or believing for this. I'm just telling you a truth. And I'm not talking about the kind of division that comes by our pride and our big our big bucket mouths. huh? Thank God there's forgiveness and God is a God of restoration and he fixes all that stuff too. But I'm talking about when you're standing for the word of God and living by it and you won't settle for anything less than his best, it's not going to bless your friends. Not all of them but they're not your friends. (laughs) It will bring division. Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 36. Jesus said this. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have come not to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Listen, don't misunderstand that scripture. That's not his desire. God is love. He is love. Just You want to know what he thinks towards you? Just read 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The love chapter, huh? That's how he thinks about you. And it's wonderful. The last one is love perseveres though. So this I'm trying to to empower you and provide you with everything you need for this marathon. It's not a sprint. Otherwise you're going to burn out, folks. You need to know some things. But don't be afraid, just just believe. And when you do when you do Believe, and when you do make up your mind to follow Jesus, you put your hands to the plow and you say, I'm not going to look back. It's going to offend some folks. But if you're believing for your life, what's more important? Your life or their feelings? Find you some new friends. You need to get those unbelievers out of the room, just like Jesus did. Listen, I love you, but I'm going to honor God in this. I'm going to stand with God. I'm going to stand believing. And if you're not going to be with me on this, I just need you to leave. Please. Amen. And watch, the Holy Spirit will come in and he will undergird you and strengthen you in that. Yes, he will. And when you do get your victory, because you will, they may not celebrate with you. Why? Because they see your victory as their failure. I just just want to finish here. Let's roll, let's roll, let's roll. (laughs) Some of you, Most of you, many of you, have have really been burdened, weary in your race today. I know, because I pray for each one of you. I know. I feel it a lot. And I get there too. Preacher's not supposed to tell you that. That's why I told you about my day yesterday, just to give you an example of the, what a true relationship looks like. Matthew eleven, twenty-eight 28 through 30. Jesus said, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give rest to your soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying to you today, if, if your burden is too heavy for you to carry, why don't you let me carry? It? Yeah, he's talking to you. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your cares, all your anxieties upon him because he cares for you. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved or shaken. When David wrote that, his heart was full of hurt. And sorrow in a very personal and painful trial. Amidst betrayal and rejection and treachery of friends against him and family. He said, my heart is severely pained within me. Listen, Jesus is the, the only one who can carry the load of pain and despair and the deep personal sorrows that you go through and endure. I know. Psalm 37 5 says commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. And he will act or bring it to pass. The Hebrew for that. And I'm i am not trying to be a Rhodes Scholar. I always tell you I, I know a little Hebrew and a, a little Greek. One owns a dry cleaner and the other a delicatessen. But the Hebrew for commit your way to the Lord says, literally, roll your way onto the Lord. That's why I got this, let's roll, let's roll, let's roll. Because as I was meditating on this, I began to to see the Lord again with my eyes closed. And I, and I, as I, have you ever carried something very heavy on your back? It's it's easier to get it up there than it is to pick it up and set it down. So what do you do? You roll it off. I've done that with thousands of feed bags and and bales of hay in my life. Amen. And uh, so as I was was doing this, I was meditating on this. I, I just began to take each thing. That I was concerned about, ever inquiring about, wondering about, or had been giving me some anxiety or fear. And I would just go to the Lord and I would just roll it off on him. And I noticed that each thing which seemed so, so heavy that it was about to crush me, and I'd roll it off onto the Lord's back. I saw that he was unhindered. He was he was no more weighed down than he had been before. And then, as I began to, we were just standing there, you know, I mean, and we were standing in a beautiful environment in heaven, in, in the throne room, and then the, the, the beautiful river that flows from the throne of God, and all of the, the, the beautiful colors, and flowers, and trees, and just, just peace, and love, and joy, and we were just standing there, and just just love and light, and I saw, as I rolled it on to him, not only was he not burdened, but what happened was, as it As it touched him, it just sucked it like a a pneumatic tube. You ever remember those things? And it was sucked down to the earth, onto his body on the cross. And when it touched him, it just evaporated into the ground, into his blood on the cross, and it was gone. You see what I'm saying? And he never lost peace or comfort or joy because I had... Put this on him. He wanted me to because he never created his sheep to carry packs on their back. Amen. So I'll just finish with that today. Let's 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 roll all of our trouble, all of our fears, all of our hurts and pains, and guilt and shame and worry off onto him. And then don't pick it back up again. He's got this. And we all stand to your feet if you can. Just pray with me. Just pray after me if you would. Heavenly Father, we come to you today humbly. But full, but full of boldness because we know you love us and, we, love us. and we, trust we trust you. We just lay all of our burdens here at your feet. We, we roll them off onto your shoulders, Lord Jesus. All of our troubles, all of our sickness, all of our worry. All of our guilt. All of our shame. All of our bitterness. All of our unforgiveness. And if there be anything else. Known or unknown. That is not under grace. But is part of the curse. We reject it and we give it to you. And we thank you Lord. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for all of your love and grace and mercy. We thank you for your your freeing truth, your your life-giving liberty that comes through the revelation of your word. And we thank you that the enemy will not be able to come and steal this word from us. We will allow it to take root in the garden of our hearts and to grow up and bear fruit in our lives. We thank you for loving us. We thank you that your grace is sufficient. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, we're going to finish in, in praise and worship here, and uh, and then we'll be dismissed. Amen. He is here. Stand, my child. Don't fear the flaming arrow, take my hand, my child. You will never fight alone, draw thee, my child.